Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, I'd like to start off our Bible study with a story, and you go, when what makes today any different? You always start off with a story, but this is a cute story, but I want you to listen, okay, because it's a Sunday school teacher. She gathers her second grade class around, and she says, I'm going to teach them. Actually, I'm going to teach them from a passage or a story found in Luke 16. Luke 16 is actually the rich man and Lazarus. You guys know that story, right? The rich man and Lazarus. She's going to teach second graders this story. Now, Here's what she taught them. She taught them about how when they were on earth, okay, the rich man had everything that money could buy. And of course, poor Lazarus didn't what? He just had to beg for mere crumbs. So she's teaching him this. She also goes on to teach them when they died, the rich man, due to his selfishness, went to a place of horrible torment. That's what the Bible teaches. While she says Lazarus went to this wonderful place of paradise. Well, in conclusion, the teacher looks at her class and she asks, hey, students, I've got a question. Now, based on the story, the rich man, okay, the rich man being selfish, dies, goes to a place of torment. Lazarus, right, he was a beggar, had crumbs, but he dies, he goes to paradise. She looks at the class and she says, which man would you rather be, Lazarus or the rich man? One little boy's hand shot up immediately and he said, quote, Well, while I'm alive, I want to live like the rich man. But when I die, I want to be like Lazarus. Is that us? Is that us? You see, if you look at your bulletin, I'm titling this message today, A Title or a Towel. A Title or a Towel. And you go, why? Well, for us today, we as as his disciples, we need to determine, guys, what's important to us. You go, what's that? To become a servant or to have a title? Let me say that again. To become a servant or have a title. Now you go, well, why would you bring that up in this portion of Scripture? Well, by the way of introduction, allow me to take you back to a time, uh, to a story, if you will, that happened to Jesus as he was pouring into his disciples. This story is actually found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, okay? And it reads like this. Mark chapter 9, verse 33, it said, When Jesus came to Capernaum, now, here's what I want to do. So I'm going to give you a plug real quick to, to um, Israel. We're going to Israel in 2019. When it says that he came to Capernaum, you'll actually see where Capernaum is. Jesus comes to Capernaum. Notice the story. He said, when he, notice, he went, Jesus went in the house. He asked the disciples a question. He said, what was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? Okay, so Jesus goes in the house. He looks at his disciples and goes, hey, what were you all fighting about when we were back on the road? What were you all fighting about? Right? Now, again, picture yourself as disciples. We'll be like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says, notice this, they kept silent for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. That's what they're fighting about. Jesus knows, right? And so he's walking. The disciples are going, I'm the greatest. No, I think I'm the greatest. I think I'm going to be the greatest. Don't you think? Don't, uh, I, well, I think I should be the greatest. I'm the oldest. Well, I'm better looking than you. I'm the greatest. Jesus comes in the house and he goes, hey, so well, what were you all uh, fighting about? Well, what are you going to say? Well, Jesus, let me tell you. Let me show you how it is. Listen, I mean, you're like God and all. 
but I want to be the greatest thing. Of course, they didn't. They were silent. Guys, they were silent. They didn't say anything. Would you? And so what Jesus does is amazing. He sits down, he calls the 12, and he looks at them and he says this, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and the servant of all. That's what he's saying. Okay? And then to, to illustrate his point, he took a little child, he set him on his, in the midst of them, and, and when he had taken into his arms, he said, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. You go, well, pastor, what's the point? Well, again, notice the story. You've got disciples who are what? They're, they're murmuring, they're complaining, they're rubbing shoulders against each other. They're walking behind Jesus, wondering which one of them is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. You see, it's an interesting to see the contrast in this passage between the view of the disciples and the view of Jesus. You go, how so, Ben? The disciples were focused on titles. They wanted a title. They wanted to be somebody. They wanted to know who would be the greatest. They wanted to be lifted up. And then Jesus says, no, no, no. Yet his focus was not on a title, but on a towel. Think about it, guys. The towel of service. To bend down, to be a servant, to wash each other's feet. I think of Jesus, and I wonder how disappointed he might have been to hear the discussion. He's thinking, my boys didn't get it. They're not getting it, man. They're trying to be lifted up, and Jesus is trying to get them to bend down. To bend down. To be a servant. Guys, in, a, in our text this morning, Jesus is going to speak many truths. But there's two truths that we want to focus on. If you're taking no, I titled it like this, a title or a towel, will you be his servant? Will you be his servant? Do you want a title? Do you want to be somebody? Or do you just want the towel of servanthood? The second thing we're going to see, but pretty much next week, okay, is I titled it like this. What's in the water? What's in the water? You go, what do you mean? Well, is the water full of forgiveness or is the water full of bitterness? We're going to talk about that next week, so you're going to have to come back. But let's chat for just a moment, guys. Let's talk about serving. Let's talk about being a servant, okay? As I look about the body of Christ, and, and again, I'm painting with big broad strokes. I'm talking about the entire body of Christ. Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that there are too many of us that are living our lives for the wrong reason. I'm afraid that there are people here today that are going to wake up one day and realize that their life is slipping away and they have nothing of eternal value to show for it. And my prayer is that we would look deep, deep down in our hearts. Why? Because I believe God saved you. He saved you for a reason. He wants to use you to advance his kingdom. A lot of people think they want to be, they get saved just to be saved. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Amen. I'm going to live my life however I want to. God goes, no, no, no. I saved you for a reason. I want to use you. I've got big, big plans to advance my kingdom. And my prayer is, is that one day we, and when I say we, I say we collectively, myself included, we would not wake up one day and discover that we've settled for spending our own life establishing our own little kingdom that will pass away and be quickly forgotten. Listen, my heart's desire, guys, for this message is to cause you today to make a decision that will bring you in line with God's best for your life. 
I want you to step over into abundant life that only comes from serving God's purposes for your life. I want you to leave here today with a new focus, a new ambition, and a new lease on life. That's what it's about. You want a title or do you want a towel? Now, before we jump into our text today, guys, let me remind you what we talked about last week. Last week, we saw the final verses, right, in chapter 12. It was an amazing plea for Jesus to believe in him. Why is that important? At the end of our service, I'm going to tell you a story, but it's so important we understand what Jesus was doing. He was looking at the crowd. This is the final time he will address the crowd moving forward, but his plea was, would you believe in me? Remember the word. The word is made up of three different words. It means to what? To put your faith and trust in Jesus. It means to be persuaded and to be convinced with confidence. That's what believe means. It's not just going, I believe, whatever it might be. It's belief in that that's who Jesus is. That's what he's doing. He's spending the last hours that he has focused on people. Would you believe? And of course, we learned over the weeks that chapter 12 actually starts out with a supper. It starts out with a supper at the house of Mary and Martha with Lazarus. You guys remember Lazarus was, what, he was dead and he was raised again. He's at the supper. But we also learn that not only was there a supper, but we learned that there was a foot washing. You can recall chapter 12 opens up with Mary coming and, 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 and breaking a pound of spikenard oil on the feet of Jesus and washing it as love filled the room. You go, why would love fill the room? Well, that's what it is. It was a beautiful, wonderful aroma, but it was the act of love that actually filled the room. People watched, and it was a beautiful, beautiful foot washing on the feet of Jesus. The reactions, you say? Well, the reactions by the disciples were less than desirable. As a matter of fact, Judas was upset that Mary didn't sell the oil and give the money to the ministry. And John says, let me tell you why. He tells us in chapter 12, verse 6, he says, he said, it's not that John cared, or it's not that Judas cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. That's what he did it. He's not like, oh, let's give the money to the poor. He's going, hey, a little bit for the ministry, a lot more for me, a little bit for the ministry, a lot more for me. That's what Judas was doing. Why? Because Judas really didn't believe who Jesus was. He had an outward appearance of of belief. He hung out with the disciples. Some might even say he was a Christian, but he didn't have that internal heart transformation in, in his walk with God. As we make our way, chapter 13 today, church, we enter another supper, okay, and another foot washing. Jesus begins to teach us the same truths that we should all live by. You go, what's that? First and foremost, we should all be a servant. We should all serve. The second thing is we need to learn about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now, unfortunately, with the time that I have, I can't get into forgiveness. We'll look at that next week. But let's jump into our text. Here's what I want to remind you. It's Thursday, a few, a few short hours. Jesus will be hanging on a cross, paying for the sins of all mankind. You guys understand it. You feel the weight of that, okay? It, it doesn't mean a whole lot to us because we're, we're here in nice, comfortable chairs, and the next few hours for us means maybe some lunch and maybe some errands and whatever we got to do. Jesus is about to die, and it's Thursday, and he gathers his people around. 
and with a private meeting with Jesus in the final instructions. That's what he's going to do. Let me just pour into my guys. From chapters 13 through 16, we see that Jesus, our Lord, shares truth concerning all aspects of life. So again, you want to stay. You want to stay here. You want to be here. Notice, we pick up our story, John 13, Jesus is speaking as, as he, he gets into the text, but notice, John writes, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, stop right there. If you are a highlighter or any or, or an underliner, isn't that a great place to underline? You go, what's that? Notice he says, Jesus loved them to the end. That's important. Highlight that, underline that, okay? Because that's how John starts off. John says, listen, Jesus knew his hour had come. He's going to leave this world. He's going back to heaven. And he loved who was, those who were his own, and he loved them to the end. Now, he goes on to say, and supper being ended, the devil already putting in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Lots of things happening here, guys. Lots of things. The opening verses right here of chapter 13 sets the scene for chapters 13 through 17, okay? But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that one of the key terms, one of the key themes in chapters 13 through 17 is love. You go, what do you mean? It's love. It's the key term. It occurs 31 times in these five chapters, as opposed to or compared to only six times in chapters 1 to 12. Pastor, what did you just say? In chapters 1 to 12, we saw the the word love six times. We're going to see it how many times in these next few chapters? 31 times. I thought it was just amazing how the last song that we sang was, Oh, How He Loves Us, because the theme that he wants to present to us as his disciples is how he loves us. How he loves us. How he loves us, even as he knows us. So Jesus now shows his disciples, I'm going to show the full extent of his love. The one thing we realize, guys, look at your Bible. It says, now before the feast of Passover, we know that's coming. When, the, when Jesus knew that his hour had come. You guys know what he's saying here, right? What's he saying? I'm going to die. You see, in the previous chapters, there were times when the crowd got angry that they were going to pick up stones and stone him to death. There were times when they wanted to rule him and, and Jesus would sneak by the crowd and, then, and his disciples would go, what happened? He goes, my hour has not yet come. It's not time. We've still got ministry to do. Now he looks at the guys and he says, it's time. It's time. Now, what I find interesting, what I find interesting, look at this, guys. He says, this is it. This is it. I'm going to die for our sins. But I want you to note that, that in this whole first five verses, he's going to note his death, but he's also going to note his resurrection. Now, here's the thing, Okay. His disciples probably heard, but they never really listened. Or let, or let me say it this way. They were listening to what Jesus was saying, but they never really heard. Okay? He's told them for, for the last three years, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It's going to be excruciating. It's horrible. I'm going to die. But I'm going to resurrect. Hang in there. I'm going to resurrect. Well, we love Jesus so much. Guess what? We love Jesus so much, we probably only heard the first part, and we didn't hear the second part. I mean, Jesus goes, hey, guess what? I'm going to die. And we're like, no, this can't happen. Are you kidding me? 
right? The disciples probably got together and were like, hey, please, let's say Bob's a disciple. Bob, do something. I don't want Jesus to die. Santos said, come on, Tim, help me. We would freak out, right? We'd freak out. We're we're not listening to what? We're not listening to the fact that he says, but I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to come back to life. Boys, I got this. We're, We're not hearing. We're not hearing. I think we need to be careful, guys, little nugget of truth. I think we need to be really, really sensitive, and we need to learn how to listen. We need to learn how to listen. Because a lot of times, whenever you're in a conversation, what happens is that you're preparing your defense. You're not really listening to the person. And whatever crucial conversation you are, you're starting to back up. You say, wait, 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 let me da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, when I think we just got to listen because Jesus is telling us some important truths. Okay? So what's happening? Well, Jesus says, my hour, my hour has come. I'm going to die. I, I think of his disciples at this point. I want, you, I want you to just feel the weight of this, okay? I know, the guy, I know they don't want Jesus to die, right? We wouldn't. We don't understand. I mean, right now we do because we have the word, but we're there, we, right? And I just wonder how many of us, we need, he's going to speak to our hearts right now because, because, Peter and the gang didn't want to let Jesus die, did he? But sometimes we have to let go of what we want to receive what we really need. Right? Jesus going, I'm going to die. I'm going, no, you're not. No, you're not. Please. And I'm hanging on to his feet. And the Lord's like, you need to let go of what you want so that you can receive what you need. I need Jesus to go to the cross. I need him to die. I need him to resurrect so that I can be saved. Think about this, guys. Here's the scene. Supper had ended. Okay. Judas was planning on betraying him. You guys understand that there was there was this, there was this, I don't know what you want to call it. You want to call it a well, it was a temptation. You go, why? Okay, think about this. It's extremely important to realize a couple of things. You go, what's that? First and foremost, here's what the word of God says. And supper being ended, the devil have already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. What was Jesus about to do? You guys know this, right? He was about to wash their feet. I think it's important to realize that Jesus was going to wash the feet of one who is considering betraying him. Okay? Here's what I want you to see. Judas, at this point, had not given in to the temptation. He doesn't give in until verse 27, right? And then Jesus looks at him and says, Judas, go do what you must do. And he gets up and stomps off or whatever he needs to do. But right now, it's just a temptation, okay? Temptation is not a sin. It's when we act on that temptation. Temptation is not... Sometimes we're tempted, right? It's when we act on that. Now, you go, what's, what's the point? Well, here's what I want you to see. The nugget of truth is we need to understand the first step in a sequence of temptation that follows, According to the teachers of the basically the the ancient church, the, the 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 here's what they would say: this was this was known as provocation, the initial idea, the provocation. That's what they would call it. And what they're saying is that we're all tempted, and what we need to do at that point of temptation is take every thought captive before we move into the place of sin. At this point, Judas could have said no. I may not believe in Jesus, but I'm not going to go there. And I think it's a great nugget of truth for us, guys, because every one of us is tempted. And then when we're tempted, we should what? 
Well, we should take that thought captive and we should be able to go, no, 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 no. Temptation is not a sin. It's only when I act upon it. And there are so many times, guys, that, that I mean, we're all tempted. We're all in that provocation, that, that idea. It's wise to reject the thought at that point. Don't you agree? I reject, nope, I reject this, no. Because we're all tempted to sin. We're all tempted to sin for whatever reason, and we all can justify our sin. You see, you're at your work, and there you are, and somebody leaves a $20 bill, and you go, man, I'm not paid enough, so I'm going to take that $20 there, I'm going to pocket it in my, and me, and nobody will be the wiser. Guys, the temptation was, you should have not, and you, 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 you need to be a man of a woman of integrity. Why? Because you represent Jesus, and you have to be careful. You have to be so careful. And say, no, no, I'm not going to do this. I don't care. I, man, I could use 20 bucks. I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. Whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. One person put it like this, guys. When it comes to temptation, he's like the salesman that's knocking at the door, and it's best to ignore the knocking. Jesus says, notice, the devil have already put in Judas Iscariot to betray him. To betray him. So what does what is, what is Jesus do? What does our Savior do? What would you do if you had foreknowledge that your best friend was going to betray you? What would you do? Would you wash their feet? I might. With some hot water. Oops, did I scold you? I'm so sorry. What does Jesus do? Look at verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and they had come from God and was going to God, what did he do? He rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and he girded himself. What? What did Jesus do? Here's here's another uh, nugget of truth, guys. I want you to note verse 3. It says, Jesus, look at Jesus knowing. You guys see that? Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. You go, what can, what can I glean from there? Well, guys, if you're a highlighter, you can write next to this verse, security. Security. See, Jesus knew his place. He knew who he was. He knew he was the Messiah. He knew that he was from God and that he was going back to God. But the application for us is, is do we know our place in God? The biggest strife in our lives, guys, is when we feel like we have to continually work for our salvation instead of rest in, what, in the finished work of the cross. We go back and forth, don't we? So I'm resting in God. I'm saved. Hallelujah. And then you find yourself kind of drifting. You go, oh, no, no, no. I got to go work. I got to go serve at the church. I got to do this. I got to do this. And then, and, and, and here's what Jesus, here's what we got to do. Guys, it's security. But think about your, think about your eternal security. There is a place in God, listen to me, which you do not need anything or anyone else to make you feel secure. There is a place in God where you go, listen, when it comes to relationships, I don't need anything. I don't need anyone. I'm secure in God. When it comes to stuff, I don't need anything. I'm, I'm secure. I don't need anything. I don't need anything. So here's the key, guys. As believers, do you know your place in God? Do you know? Right? Do you know that you can find rest 
This is who you are in God. As a matter of fact, Paul writes to the Colossian church in chapter 2, verse 9. He says, for in him dwells all the fullness in the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. That's what he says. You're complete. You're not incomplete. Searching for the missing piece. You're complete. Now you go, Pastor, I don't understand how that works. I get it. I I know it's hard to understand, but here's what I'm simply asking you. I'm asking you to accept it, to appropriate what the Word of God says in your life, to go, I believe it, amen. I am complete in God. I am secure in my salvation. I'm secure. What does the devil tell you? You're nothing. You're nobody. You're not secure. You do this. You messed up here. You do that. That's not what the Word of God says. You don't listen to him. Tell him to go fly a kite. Tell him to get lost. Why? He's a liar. And he's the father of lies, guys. Anything the devil says to you is a lie. You got to just go, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. You're complete. You're complete. Listen to me, church. You don't need anything or anyone else to make you whole. You don't need anything or anyone else. Pastor? But I love him. I love her. Amen. Listen. Here's how you're complete. You ready? Listen. Here's the thing. You never reverse the creative order. Okay? You put God first and then... The people and relationship in your lives should be praised to God for that. Never take that relationship and go, oh, I'm going to put it above God because then everything's out of order. You're complete. You're whole in him. So what does Jesus do? Guys, back to our story. Jesus gets up, right? He takes off his outer garment, right? It's called a hematian. Hematian. Okay? Jesus is left with a tunic. It's... um. It's real, I don't know, I pronounce it like this, a chiton, it's C-H-I-T-O-N, a chiton, it's just kind of like a shorter garment, like a long undershirt, that's what he's left with, okay, now you go, that doesn't mean anything to me, Jesus getting up, taking off his outer garment, and just leaving his long shirt, what does that mean to me? Well, here's what we got to understand, okay, this is what slaves would be wearing to serve a meal, so what Jesus is doing is he's getting up and he's going, okay, I'm going to remove the outer garment and I'm putting myself in the place of a slave. You and I, we go, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not sure what that means. What's a foot washing mean? I mean, I'm not going to wash anybody's feet. Man, feet are stinky and yucky. Ugh. I didn't wash my own feet. I mean, wash somebody else's feet. I mean, but, but think about it. What Jesus is doing, guys, feel the weight of that. He's coming and then you, in your mind, in your Hebrew mind would go, oh my goodness, that's what a slave does. Jesus, what are you doing? And then he ties a linen cloth around his waists to which to dry their feet. And they're going, this is not what my master would do. This is not what, what, this is freaking us out. Here's why. A Jewish text would say, this is something a Gentile slave would be required to do. But a Jewish slave would never do that. 
Okay, so here's what's going on in your mind. We're having supper. We're having a good time. Now, it's not like the painting of Leonardo da Vinci, okay? They're leaning on their arm. They're laying down. They're having a great time. Supper's ended. Jesus gets up. You're thinking, okay, what's going to happen next? He takes off his outer garment. He lays it down. He, gets a, a, he girds himself with a towel. He gets a basin of water. And now you, as a believer and a disciple, are freaking out. Why? Because first and foremost, you understand he's taking the place of a slave. No, 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 not my Jesus. The second of all is that, listen, well, if he was a Gentile, that'd be one thing, but now he's Jewish, that's even wrong. Oh, my Jesus, what's, what, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? I want you to keep this in mind, guys. Keep this in mind. Jesus is demonstrating something so beautiful here. And yet, the the disciples are going to miss it. They're going to miss it. Jesus Jesus is going to be showing us several truths, one of which is, guys, servanthood, how we need to be good servants. And second, he's going to to show us how, how we need to be and have forgiving hearts. But he's going to show just a beautiful, beautiful act of intimacy. You go, why? In this culture, guys, in this culture, foot washing was something that a wives did for their husbands, something that their children did for their parents, or disciples did for their teachers. Why? Because it was a huge level of intimacy. And at this point, the disciples would be freaking out. They would just be going, no, 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 At this point, you're thinking, what is Jesus doing? What does he want us to learn? Okay? Notice what he does in verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel in which he was girded. Now, this blows my mind. Jesus gets up in the middle of supper. He begins to do this. Now, listen, this is how you're going to react. If you think Jesus is just a good prophet, that's not going to mean anything to you. He's just a prophet. If you think Jesus is just a good man, you're just following Jesus, right? You're going to think, well, okay, this is weird, but no big deal. But if you have understood the last three years and you've understood Jesus to be the Meshach, the Messiah, the Son of God, This is not going to fly. Why? Because now the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God himself in the flesh, right? What's he doing? The creator of the universe is now becoming a slave. And he's, I'm I'm like Peter. You ain't washing my feet, Lord. This is, no. No, I would never let you do this. You're God. I should be washing your feet. I find it interesting. I find it interesting in our text that the Bible tells us that supper was ended and Jesus does this. Why is that important? Because you guys know back in the Middle East, number one, your feet, there wasn't any shoes, okay? Your feet were inside, right? Like today, you've got socks and you've got shoes and they're all smelly and all that good stuff, right? And, uh, but back then, what would happen is you'd wear sandals and they didn't have like sidewalks. So everything garbage-wise and so forth and, and would be running down the street. So when you walked into somebody's house, you always had the lowest servant go take off their sandals and wash their feet before supper. Always would happen. Jesus says, this is after supper, so I want to show you something really, really deep. 
What's he talking about? He's not talking about just the ceremonial part of washing before supper. He's saying it's deeper. You go, what is it? Well, again, think about it. Here's the creator of the universe. What's he doing? You guys ready? He is giving us the greatest example of being a servant. Of being a servant. Guys, at this moment of deep meaning, Jesus did something that must have almost seemed crazy. He began to do the job of the lowest servant in the household. He began to wash his disciples' feet. At this critical moment in the evening before, I mean, think about this, guys. This is a critical moment. The evening before he was about to be tortured on the cross. He was right before, it's a few hours, he's about to be scourged. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to carry a hundred pound beam up Golgotha. He's about to be nailed to a cross. He's about to not be able to breathe and die an excruciating death. Right about then, what does Jesus do? Think about this. Jesus didn't think about himself at all. He thought about his disciples. Why? Because remember, I told you to underline this. He was truly loving them to the end. Wow. He truly is a great example for us guys as men and women. He truly is. Why? Well, here's some application for us. If you look at the heart of our Savior, he's about to die on the cross. He's about to go, we, we learned the term excruciating, right? It's a, he's a, I mean, think about this. He knew in verse 17 of chapter 12, he says, my soul is troubled. He knew, he knew that not only was going to be brutal physical pain, but it was the sins of the world were going to be on him, right? And he knew all of this and it weighed heavy on him. It weighed so heavy on him that in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane he was what? He was sweating drops of blood. It's just, this was, you go, pastor, what's your point? Here it is, listen. That in spite of all of that, Jesus still loved people till the end. And you go, well, how can I apply this in my life? Guys, being a servant, serving, it comes from a deep love for people. Serving comes from a deep love for people. You see, Jesus wasn't sitting at the Last Supper going, guys, it's all about me. Oh, woe is me. Simon, what are you doing? Don't you understand? I'm going to die tomorrow. Oh. Matthew, could you not, could you get off your iPhone for a while? He's not worried about any of that stuff, is he? Because he loves people. You see, being a servant, guys, it stems from a place of selflessness. Being a servant blossoms from the place in your heart that says, I'm going to love like I've never been hurt before. That's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. You see, every one of us in this room, we want to be a servant. Man, we want to be a servant. I want to serve. And every one of us has been given gifts and talents. And we want to take those talents and we want to serve the Lord. But the question is, why do you serve the Lord? Do you serve the Lord so you could get a pat on the back? Do you serve the Lord so someone goes, oh, that was a wonderful job? Or do you serve the Lord because you love people? Because you love people because God loves people. And you just want to serve. You just want to serve. 
A lot of times, guys, we all want to be a servant until we're treated like a servant. And if we could be honest, we don't like to be treated like servants. How dare you treat me like a servant? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know? No, no, no. We should take the lowest form of Jesus and we should listen. Listen, my heart, it's about people. It's about people. I'm going to serve. Why? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you serve at Calvary Chapel. Your service should be to Jesus because you love him and you love his people. That's what it should be. Children's ministry is probably one of the hardest ministries that anyone does, and you guys do it faithfully, day in and day out. But your heart should be, I love these kids because I love God. It doesn't matter if, you know, it doesn't matter if people recognize that or not. I love God. I love God. I mean, I mean, think about it, guys. Listen, servanthood comes from a deep love for people. Okay, pastor, I got it. I don't mind. Sign me up. Where can I serve? Where can I serve? Oh, you want me to clean? You want me to clean the restrooms? Okay, okay, I'll say. Why do I have to clean the restroom? Oh, Pastor, I'm cleaning the restrooms. Anyone? Look. Listen, we should be serving because we have the heart of Jesus. What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? Now, some of us, we go, it's easy. It's easy. I, I don't mind. I don't mind being security. I don't mind wiping tables down. I don't mind vacuuming. I love people. Here's the thing. Let's take it one step further. You ready? Let's serve people out there. How do we serve how do we serve our community? How do we serve our community? Every month we're going to have an outreach to go to the homeless and give them water. Could we serve them that way? Just by just by talking to them. Hi, how are you? You're important to me. You were created in God's image. You're important. How can we serve? How can we serve? Think about this. The Lord Jesus, guys, in his rightful place as Lord of our lives, his lordship will be expressed in the way we serve others. You want people to know that you're a Christian? Serve others. Serve others. And... and. If you were here Wednesday night, here's what we learned, okay? We learned that obedience is worship. The act of obedience is worship. You want to worship the Lord, it's not just coming over here, lifting up your hands and singing some songs. It's obedience to his word. You're going to get an amen. But serving is also worship. If you want people to know that you are truly his disciples, you'll serve them. And you'll do it with a glad heart. Guys, think about, think, about, think about the area that you could be serving in and how you can bless God's people. What area can I serve? And then when you serve in that area, don't look for the pat on the back. God's already given you the pat on the back. He says, that's my kid. He's doing it for me. He's doing it for me. How do we serve the Lord, you ask? 
How do we demonstrate our love for God? Our love for God, guys, will, it will be expressed in your love for others. That's how it will be expressed. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus as Lord, and with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Guys, think about it. Think about it. Jesus is giving us the greatest example. Now, I don't have time, so we're going we're gonna to talk about this next week. But Jesus, we've just learned that he's what? He's took water and he's put it in a basin. Okay? And he's going to, and he, and he, I mean, we're blown. Our minds are blown. We're like, Lord, don't do this. Don't, what, what are you doing? You're taking the form of a, a slave. Well, that's what Paul says. Paul says, I'm a bondservant. I'm a slave to the Lord. I'm going to do what he, listen, you're here today because God has an incredible, wonderful plan for your life. It's so great. It's beyond comparison. It is. But it starts with service. It's like, where can I serve? What can I do for Jesus? What can I do? How can I serve? How can I serve? How can I serve joyfully? But he's also going to talk about forgiveness. So you've got to search your heart just a little bit and go, oh, is there anyone in my life that I haven't completely forgiven? That'll be next week. Pastor, don't leave us hanging. I got to leave you hanging just a little bit. Guys, as we close our Bible study today, let's look at let's take a look at the gospel, the gospel found in verse five. Okay? Jesus completely gave himself to the washing of the feet. He was thorough in the work. Now, what does he do? First and foremost, he rose from the supper. And I think that's important. How is this the gospel? You ready? Guys, he rose from supper. He came from heaven to serve and save mankind. He had to get up to come and bow down. And as you see the picture? You see how it's beautifully illustrated? Jesus came. He's king of kings. There he was before all. He was, he was, he was there in creation, and he, he took the form of a man, and he came to save and serve. You go, what else is the gospel? Well, notice the next thing that Jesus does is he laid aside his garments. And I, and, I, and I wonder if that just reminded him of what waited him in just a few hours when he would be stripped of his garments and crucified. I wonder if he laid him down, he's thinking, in a few hours, the guards are going to be gambling for these clothes as I lay on a wooden cross. And then, of course, we learned that Jesus took a towel, he girded himself, right? And he poured water into a basin, and that speaks of his death, burial, and resurrection. And you go, how so? Because it's going to bring, it's going to speak of, of forgiveness and restoration of all who would accept this. Of all who would accept this. Why is that important? Because it's the gospel. And what John wants you to do is he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe. He wants you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. He wants you to be persuaded that the only way you can get to heaven is through Jesus. And he wants you to be convinced that you are. You're confident. Why is that important? Real fast, quick story. 
Yesterday morning, I was grinding some coffee, and I hear some voices. And I'm looking around, and, and, and I hear ladies' voices. And all of a sudden, I look out the front door, and I see two old ladies, two older elderly ladies, and they're at their front door. And so I go to the door, and then I open the door. and say, hi, how are you? And they're like, hi, how are you? I'm fine, fine. What can I do for you? Right? And they're going, could we read you a verse? Could we read you a verse from the Bible? And I said, absolutely, go ahead, read me a verse. And so she takes a verse out of Ephesians chapter 6, and she tells me how husbands need to be loving their wives and they need to raise up their children. And then she looks at me and she goes, what do you think of the world today? Is, how, how is this not happening? Isn't the world, and, and I don't remember the exact words, and I looked at her and I said, you're exactly right, ma'am. God bless you. But the one thing we need to remember is that if we take a verse out of context, it becomes a pretext, and then we can make it say whatever we want it to say. And I said, and what we need to remember is the 2020 rule. We need to remember what Paul is saying, so we need to read 20 verses ahead and 20 verses behind, and then we need to understand the context. And so she took a step back, and she's like, uh, well, it's wonderful to know that there's Bible readers here. And I said, but you also understand the context of what Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, right? He tells us that we are what? Who we were before Christ, that we were dead and we were doomed. And then he says, but through Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, he sacrificed and we believe in him. And, and, and she looked at me and she goes, she took a step back. She's like, okay. I said, you understand, he's the son of God. Sir, you have a nice day. It was... And I said, well, let me ask you one question. I said, what church are you with? Exactly. She goes, where's the Jehovah? And I said, and my heart began to sink at that point. Because I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I believe that Jesus was God. And that he died for our sins. And the only way that we'll get to heaven is through Jesus, through the Father. And she says, well, I don't believe that. And I said, well, John tells us, right? John says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You guys added an A there, and that changes your eternity. And I'm saying, ma'am, I hope Christians don't give you a hard time. I hope they don't slam the door in your face. But I would pray, and I would pray that you would pray, that you would see. And she walked away and left. You see, guys, it's, it wasn't about me. As a, she didn't know I was a pastor. She didn't know. She probably marked my house. Don't go there. <laughs> but I did, wasn't interested in winning the argument. I was interested in winning the person. And how do we win the person? Love. Love. How do we love people? By serving them. By serving them. Now, I will say this. They're preying on people who don't know Scripture. Know your Bible. If you don't know your Bible, get in discipleship. Know your Bible. Know the Word of God. Because then I thought about it later, and I was so upset that they were taking a scripture to try to convert people who don't know anything about the Bible and get them into their church. Help me here, guys. God builds the church. Amen?
Here's my point. If you love Jesus today, serve, 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 and love people. Your job is to love people back to life, not to judge them. Just love them. We're all mess-ups. We're all strangers. Man, that's what, that's, that's what Jesus just told us. I'm going to love them to the end. Father, thank you for your word and the truth in your word this morning. We love you. We bless you. Open up our hearts, God. We, we confess and believe in you. May the Lord, Lord, may you, may you just guide us today to love people, to serve people. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.